and welcome back to our November edition of Ladies First. I'm Corey. I have a special guest with me today, Diana. Hi. And Diana is joining me uh, because we're going to be talking about a show that has been off the air for a little bit this year. It aired earlier this year, had some buzz around it because of its themes. It's called Motherland Fort Salem. It's been renewed for a second season on Freeform, and we have some thoughts about it. We do. It is kind of my fault that I got you into this in the first place. It is, but you know how I am. I binge things, and I kind of forced you to watch Warrior Nun, so I feel like we're even at this point. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, so we're about even-ish, I think... Both shows have their pros and cons. Um, We are still doing a Warrior Nun watch on our community Discord. We're about halfway through the first season. So if you are also Warrior Nun fans and you want to join us, that's every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Again, every Tuesday while we finish out that season. But... We're going to loop back around now and talk about Motherland and some of the things we liked and some of the many frustrations we had and some of the moments that we're still kind of like, what the fuck about? (laughs) Yeah. So do we want to get this to love it all out of the way right at the start? See, that's one of my big issues. Well, I'll get one of my issues out of the way first, then we can talk about Scylla, then I think we can talk about the rest of the series. So... If you have not heard about this series yet, basically it's an alternate universe timeline where during the Salem witch trials, instead of, you know, mass murdering a bunch of women for religious and political reasons, they decided magic is real. And the witches, mainly Sarah Adler, makes a deal with the U.S. government of you don't kill us and we fight for you. So it's this kind of like generations long forced inscription of a matriarchal-ish kind of society in the U.S. now, I guess. But the entire problem with this world is that basically if the witches aren't fighting, then they're going to be killed, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) And also, their military uniforms have some very uncomfortable parallels to fascist uniforms, and I'm still kind of uncomfortable about that, but, I mean, there's nothing I can do to change it, so... Okay, here we are. It is, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It's, I have to say personally, I think the uniform styling choice is not that great. But I, I understand they may be doing it on purpose to try and show how problematic this setup is. So it's kind of on that sticky wicket of like, it may be intentional to make you uncomfortable to be like, this isn't exactly a perfect scenario, or it could just be like, oh, we thought it was cool. I'm not sure where they are with when they made those, but that's just one of my... I will say, like, where season one is at right now, they do seem to be aware of, like, the more problematic elements present there, and it seems like they will hopefully address it in future seasons, so... Depending on, like, how they handle it going forward would really be the barometer to measure the series on. Yeah, it's hard to really just 
unless it's really bad to come down on a series in its first season because it's set it normally first season sets so much up. It's the same thing with um, Warrior Nun when I was talking with Alejandra about you know the sisters' behavior towards Ava. I'm like, I really hope some of that is addressed again in season two, but I get why there wasn't this full mass of resolution in season one because there's just so much you have to set up to like get the rest of the story launched. And to an extent, you know, I think they have to do that with season one in Motherland, especially with all of the world building they have to do. Yeah. And like, you, you can tell just like from by looking at the show, they definitely put the thoughts into like, how this world is different. So uh, there, that is at least there in the world building aspect that they've put some effort into like their background and hopefully going forward, we'll see more of that come forward in present in the show yeah i mean and they have talked about you know i i watched the comic-con i guess roundtable interview they did where they talked about they have more world building in season two where it talks about you know civilian attitudes um i know one of the bigger talking points of the series was like you have the bellwethers the Bellwether family line comes from originally she was a slave that had magic that Sarah Alder. I guess you could say freed. Ish. Conscripted into the military. Yeah. So there's this weird line of the Bellwether family. They're still, they're witch royalty as far as witch royalty goes in that sense, but they're still conscripted. You know, they still have to join. Um, They have a bigger target on their backs. We find out later this season when they start being picked off one by one, which I have my own thoughts about. I'll get to later. And I know there are a lot of people like, well, okay, so we see this one very specifically privileged black family and then we see Anacostia. But what's it like for, you know, the other regular civilians of color? Like, how does that world building, how did that affect them? You know, so I'm hoping, I hope we get to see some more of, the actual world building of those dynamics in season two. Again, I understand why they couldn't completely get into them in season one because there's just so much they had to set up, but I'm hopeful we get to see more of it in season two. Yeah. So with that done, I think we ought to go into our Scylla problem, which is the, I think for both Diana and I, it's our biggest sticking point of this entire series. Yeah. Do you want to start it off? Okay, so Scylla Ramshorn is played by Amalia Holm, and I have nothing against Amalia Holm. She seems like a sweetheart um, and, you know, is just playing this role. But Scylla's a fucking terrorist, and her first act in the series, I guess, spoiler alert, I mean, you've had months to watch this, so anyways, her first fucking act in the series, it's what opens the series. There's a terrorist attack by the Spree. It's a terrorist organization in the show that kills thousands of innocent civilians in a mall. And that's Scylla. And she's like the big, what was it, star-crossed romance for one of the other leads, Rail Color. And they're both white, like super white. I'm sorry, I'm going to go there too. And like, you have two super white girls that are this weird star-crossed lover. And I'm like, Rail has some problems too. I'm sorry, y'all, she does. And I'm like, okay, so we have a mass murdering terrorist that I don't know how has been reduced down to a wooby that we're supposed to feel bad for? Like, I'm supposed to root for a terrorist? 
I don't want the terrorist to get a happy ending. She hasn't even shown me she feels bad. Yeah, like, later on in the season, we, like, did learn about her parents. But at that point, I don't know. It kind of came a little too late to, like, really add on to her story. Because the only bit of, like, hesitation we saw at her in the entire season was in a flashback when she, like, got the balloon that she's meant to, like, kill all those civilians with. She hesitates for a second as she looks into her reflection and then the scene carries on. And that's not enough to build a redemption on. I mean, if in season two, there's like an amazing redemption after her and we get more and we see that she was like actually coerced into the spree, I would happily eat my words. But as it stands right now, it doesn't look good for her. I'm sorry. I just, my parents died because they were draft dodgers. And I'll say that's fucked up in this world. Like at least in our world, if you draft, if you're a draft dodger in the U.S., you do prison time. You don't, you know, get killed. Her parents die for that. So she joins up a terrorist organization and then goes and kills thousands of innocent people in response after being, uh, you know, apparently radicalized by them. And I'm like, as a Muslim and I'm seeing the white terrorists go and do all of this and people are trying to be like, oh, we should have nuanced discussions about what drove them to this. And I'm sitting over here like, okay, I see how this is. I'm not, I'm, I'm not condoning terrorism. Obviously I'm not because I vehemently disagree with what the spree and Scylla do. Uh, I vehemently disagree with any terrorist actions in real life, but it is so weird that anytime it's in fiction or it's done by somebody who is, you know, rather pale, suddenly there's so many discussions on, oh, well, what could have caused them to do this? Let's talk about a redemption arc for them. How can they be redeemed? I'm like, uh-huh. There's a lot of uh, things that are showing in here that make me very uncomfortable. I mean, like, if it were to happen, it would it would have to be, like, at least Zuko-level redemption. I mean, it would have to be better than Zuko, because Zuko never did half the horrible stuff that Scylla has. But, like, that's the baseline, if we're even talking about it. Or, but at the very least, going forward, I hope we get to see some other groups in this world that are against the military forced... Um, well, I mean, we see the military because, you know, they're not with the witches. They're like, you know, with Adler, they're like, we really don't like what you're doing. You know, Adil and his sister yeah, look, are like, we don't like what you've done with the magic and we think it's upset the balance and there's going to be a price to pay for it. Yeah. And what the dream is like, there's also the fact that they are like a foreign entity and it's kind of hard to see of like, how this works in other countries because we do see like other witch militaries but we don't know if they're at the like same level that we see with the american military here Mm -hmm. well i guess it's just my big issue is we're gonna latch on to the wlw ship which i mean i'm great that there's a w man try saying that fast wlw ship that is front and center of a show and it's not a big deal in that world it's the same way like women having their own sexuality and owning it in this world that part i think is very refreshing 
Like there's no shame about it. I think it's great. I'm not here for let's woobify a terrorist and ship her and be like, oh, she feels bad, so it's okay. I'm like, no, no, that doesn't absolve her of things. I don't even know that she feels that bad. When she's being interrogated, it really doesn't seem like she feels that bad until she has Rail ripped away from her again. Also, she lies and manipulates Rail for most of this relationship. Yeah. And then, like, at the very end, we find out that the whole reason she went after Rael was because Rael's own mother lied to her. So that's, like, another point against the spree. Yeah, by the way, Rael's mother is the whole- leader, or a leader of the spree, and is the one who sent Stilla off on this thing to begin with. And, and I'm just, like... As far as Rael knew, her mother died. Yeah. Rael and her dad think the mom died. Yeah, so. Rael doesn't know her mother's alive. Rael is vehemently against the spree, and I honestly really feel bad for her once all of that hits the fan and she finds out about it. Because, as, I mean, I have my issues with Rael during the season because she's so anti-authority that she gets her own head up her ass and can be like, oh, I'm just going to do what I want and be angry and not care how it's going to affect the rest of my unit. But towards the end, I think she is more... Um, present and thoughtful about what she does and at the end you know of season one yeah, she, she's willing to die to protect the tareem and there's that speaking yeah. of there's the other faction in there that just absolutely hates anybody with magic and they're setting up so what the terrorist spree are going to have to work with the witches I, I really hope we don't go down the there's a bigger evil so we have to work together apart I know that part, I'm like, eh. the Camarilla, I'm like, I mean, yeah, they're bad. I just watched them set a bunch of women on fire and watch them die screaming. Like, that's not horrific. But I'm also just like, man, is this going to be the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing with the spree? Because there's, I have issues with this. And like, while we're on the Camarilla, like, there is that um, point when the Camarilla make themselves known to the group and, like, Alda sees them again. Like, her reaction is, the spree tried to warn us, which, like, at the start of that episode, the spree had, again, used magic to forcibly use civilians to spread their message. But at least an episode before that, Alda's own intelligence people were like, hey, maybe this is the Camarilla, maybe it's not the spree, the spree has not claimed this yet. And this has some trademarks of the Camarilla, and she, like, shuts them down. And so, like, when they do make themselves known, and she's like, the spree tried to warn us, it's very, like, I'm pretty sure your own people mentioned them first. Give credit where credit is due. Yeah, because I was I I remember watching that, and I'm like, really? Really? Because we had this entire scene where you're like, Nah, it can't possibly be the spree. That's silly. Go give me good intel type of thing where she just like, she shuts it down. And then she's like, oh, the spree tried to warn us. Like the spree have been picking off your people one by one, which let me get back to the bellwether thing. I love that the bellwether family exists and they're high profile. I really enjoy watching Abigail it makes me uncomfortable that they're the family that is being picked off and targeted. I understand that you're trying to make this world where the fact that they're black doesn't matter as 
much, but considering the world we live in with current events, having the prominent black family specifically targeted and murdered one by one is very uncomfortable. Yeah, like I... I think it unintentionally became, well, they're being targeted because they're obviously the best family at Magic. And the reason they were being targeted was to, like, to remove their vocal cords. Because later on, we see the Camarilla use, like, these mechanical devices with which vocal cords so they could use, like, a form of magic. But it ended up, like, circling back around to a specific group being targeted. I, I mean, I get in-universe... I get in-universe why they're being targeted. My problem is, I think, on, you know, like, on, on Fundamentals, we talk about Doyleist and Watsonian. And the Watsonian perspective, you know, like, in-universe, I, I get why they're being targeted. But from a Doyleist perspective of, like, me existing outside of the universe, I'm like, it's kind of uncomfortable that we're seeing the major black family in this universe being targeted and hunted down yeah as as much as we wish like art could exist in a vacuum there will always be like that outside influence that you cannot separate from entirely and i i mean i will say um obviously the black lives matter movement had another big um year because of george floyd uh brianna taylor like the far too many incidents of black people being murdered. And I understand that the motherland motherland people could not have anticipated the movement would swell this summer when they were filming and make it even more um, apparent that, Oh, it's just the black family that's being targeted. But unfortunately, you know, that's what happened. And I would hope that they maybe are a little bit more mindful of that in season two. Yeah. Though also, here's my question, and this is just something that bugs the tar out of me in any kind of series. Like, it, it, not just Motherland, but like other sci-fi fantasy series or dramas or, you know, what have you, where they end on this big, massive cliffhanger where it's been obvious that all the world building has been built up to this one big point, you know, obviously with Abigail and Rael are technically dead to the others and they're in this weird mushroom land realm. And it's like the Camarilla are back and the war is about to start in earnest. Everything is exploding. The Tarim are here now. And then in the Comic-Con uh, panel, they're like, ah, oh, yes, we're going to learn all about War College next semester. And I'm like, or next season, I'm like, this seems like we're taking a step or five backward. <laughs> like, you built all of this up and now, oh, wait, no, we're back in school. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they talked about War College, but it, it is, like, this very abstract thing of, well, okay, they finished training. So what what is the next step for them really because i guess it'll be like learning more magic but at this point like at least with our main trio tally's binified for now and rael and abigail have some special mushroom powers that considering how much we see like the powers that be in season one like go after the tarim because they have unique powers it there's like if they don't have, like, the same amount of, like, 
well, what are they and how do we use this for us in season two? I'm going to be very surprised. Yeah, it just seems like, oh, yes, we're going back to war college and we'll learn more about that. I'm like, this seems kind of like a letdown from everything you were building up to and how the season ended. I mean, like, how are we going to get Tally unbitified? How are we going to find out that Abigail and Rael are still alive and in the magic mushroom land? And how are they going to get out of the magic mushroom land? You know, I know the showrunner has talked about we're going to find out Tally has this weird has this weird connection where she feels things that Sarah Alder does and she has memories of Sarah Alder. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. And then he's like, and then Abigail and Rael are now going to have this deep connection and you'll have to see season two to see what that means for them. Like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. They died connected to each other. And again, they're in magic mushroom land. And then, and then we're going to see the ins and outs of war college. I'm like, so they're going back to officer school after all of this. Like you set everything up, like everything is finally hitting the fan and we're going to have these big world events and, oh no, we're pulling it back now. They're just in war college. Yeah. Like, especially after we like see them deployed and like go out on a mission, you would think that that would at least be like a standard going forward with season two that we like get to see them actively out there in the field because as of right now, and like outside of the spree, we don't really know who they're fighting. There seems to be like some inter-country conflicts, but we don't really like see any of that, and we like only hear a bit of that here and there. Yeah, it seems like this would be where the stakes raise. Like, take your anime, you know. Like, let's let's talk One Piece. He, the crew, the One Piece going where are they on going there i don't know what their ship is thousand sunny now and it whatever the one the straw hat pirates they keep leveling up and all the other stories you watch where it's like they meet this thing and then they level up like the stakes get higher the world gets bigger the action gets bigger they keep doing all of these other things and i'm like well that's nice that we had boot camp and we talked about officer training school you know, war college in the first season, but now that they've been deployed and all of this other stuff is going on, it feels like they're not going up to the next level. It's like they're taking a detour to an intermediary level to try to get back to the next level instead of just like progressing. At least this is just based off of the stuff we've heard about what's going to happen in the second season. Maybe they have a better way of working it in, but right now I'm just kind of like, it feels like we're taking a step back. Like, with season two, I'm really hoping to learn more about Alda, because so far in season one, like, she's made some missteps that are definitely questionable. She puppeted the president. I mean, you know, if you if you haven't watched this and you're still listening and you want to know what puppeting is, basically it's you take somebody over against their will. You know, like, possessing somebody, essentially. And, you know, when Tally hears about this, she is rightfully very much, like, you done fucked up. The thing that, like, got me the most, that, like, broke my heart, was when Aldo was able to, like, talk Tally back to a place of, like, trusting her. Though, I guess, like, thinking about it now, of all, like, of our main trio, like, the one who, like, has to see the system work and like wants to believe in the system of like 
these witches supporting each other through the military more than anyone else's tally because she didn't have to join the system. She had a free ticket to go off and do whatever she wanted to do without any prosecution, but she still joined the military because she actually believed in it and she believed in all the propaganda they've been saying that it's a witch's place and this is the only place they can be them. And it turns out that there is still as much hunted and prosecuted today as they were before. It's just in another way. And I'm like, and she ends the season bitified. Like she, she recognizes that they have to have Sarah Adler at full capacity if they're going to survive. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that in season two, but she's bitified. And then because she's a biddy now, she can't go back out there when Rael gets that. Like that part is just deliciously tragic of in that split second, she had to shift her allegiances kind of to Sarah and her biddies. And then she had to watch the last of her unit go get shish kebobbed and then also die. And they had to leave them. She doesn't know they're alive even. So the sisterhood that she built, she just watched be absolutely destroyed in a matter of moments. Yeah. Um, can, can we talk about like the main trio for a second? Because like every time any subset of like that group interacts, I'm like, so is fine and all, but like there is this. Why can't we have more of this? I mean, it feels like we're going to have more of it now, especially with Rael and Abigail. It feels like that was what they were building up to at the first season. And they, I think they did that really well, especially when Abigail is like, I'm not leaving you here to die by yourself. If I go with you, then fine. I'm not leaving my unit behind. Um, I think that was really beautiful. And I also think it's pretty much hinted that, you know, that's why they're still alive. Um, I'm hoping that Scylla takes more of a backseat or maybe like she has this sub story going on with Anacostia next season. So Rael and hopefully Tally and Abigail can kind of like really be building on themselves now that they're kind of all on the same page. Yeah, if anything, Scylla might be wrapped into the whole um, story with Willa, Rael's mom. I don't see that getting her any brownie points. I mean, like, say, for all of my frustrations with Rael, she is very much like, I have a super strong moral compass. You know, she thinks the military essentially killed her mom for her for marrying her dad, who was a civilian, and in this world, that's frowned on. And she really kind of blames the military for it, but she still enlists, and she's still loyal, and she still fights for them, and she still loves her unit. She doesn't go join the spree. Yeah. In fact, she viscerally, like, she, she knows on some level she still has feelings for Scylla, but she viscerally just verbally bitch-slaps Scylla when she finds out she's actually spree and has been lying to her. Regardless of her own personal feelings, like, she hard cuts that off because it crosses a moral threshold that she's not okay with. Yeah, rightfully so. So I'm like, I, I really feel for this girl in season two when it's like, not only was somebody I was really close to a spree, but now apparently my mom is one of the leaders of the spree and way to fuck my life over. Thanks, y'all. It's why I'm glad she has this bond with Abigail and she also bonded with Tally because I think she particular is really going to have to lean on that next season once all of this stuff starts coming out. 
Yeah, and like one thing this show does get really, really well is like the relationship between the women. Like yes. even outside of the trio, like like pretty much all the supporting staff are women. Um, the cast. The only thing I'm still just like, ah, why did you do this? Was Libba, Libba dying? I was just like, she was such a good foil for Abigail. She was such a good foil, and I'm kind of sad that she had to go for Abigail's lady pain, but I'm like, man, they were just starting to get to this really good, friendly rivalry place, which would have been fantastic to watch. Really, we should have known, like, what was coming, like, because that, when that development started happening really quickly at the start of that episode, that was, like, the biggest set flag. I know, like, once that happened, I was like, I have a bad feeling. But the way it progressed was believable because Libba knows that Abigail was there when her cousin was murdered and was nearly killed herself. And, like, Libba's not terrible. Libba still has a sense of decency and camaraderie. And she's just like, okay, I'm going to put aside my petty bickering and, like, try to goad you into getting your head in the game. I'm like, once you saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, they could be really good, friendly rivals with each other. Oh, no, Lib is gone. This is why I can't have nice things. And, and that whole um, decision to send that ended up in Lib's death, Aldo made the decision to send untrained cadets out into the field in like a full combat situation. And at that point, it be, it's really becomes clear, like, Maybe at one point, Alda truly believed that she was the best thing for the military and for these witches. But as of right now, she is doing whatever she can to maintain her power. And it's less about the whole and more about her. Yeah, and I think even in her head, she still thinks what she's doing is best. And that's the scary part. Like, I think she fully believes in her heart she's still doing what's best. But it's also compounded by, you know, she's 300 years old. There is a lot going on in her head and a lot that she's processed over the years. And I'm just like, at what point do you have to start realizing I need to pass this on? And that's another thing, too, because as far as we're aware, she is the only witch who has lived this long and who has been allowed to live this long because her youth comes off the backs of the biddies who mm-hmm. we learn are not old women, but like these young women who she drains the life from and cuts their life short so she can get immortality. And I'm like, why is she the one who gets to live forever? Because we see some other military leaders and none of them have a group of biddies hanging around them. I know, and uh, we are supposed to hear more about that Biddy relationship, like they said in the Comic-Con panel of, like, it's very intense, and it's something that Tally is going to have to, like, really struggle with next season of, like, what it means to be a Biddy, because, you know, it's like a marriage and a kinship and a lot of things all rolled into one and you feel what she feels and you have her memories and it's like there's this open connection i'm like i am very interested to see how talia is going to react to this and especially like what's it going to be like for her if she does get unvitified does that connection still stay yeah and like tally too especially like we see that she's naturally intuitive to a lot of stuff like she's a natural seer 
so that there's that element too of like maybe she especially is more inclined to like share this connection mm-hmm. but again also you know what is this connection between abigail and rael going to be like i mean if you're gonna ship two people like if you're gonna ship two ladies from this show they're right there now they have a special magical mushroom connection. I mean, it's better than the terrorist. I'm bitter. Sorry. I'm just... No, I, I am right there with you. I'm just like, it's right here. Like, Abigail and Rael is like enemies to friends to lovers. Like, everybody loves that trope. Everybody loves that trope. It's right here. And now they have a magical, mystical connection with each other, too. Come on. It is right here on a silver platter. I probably should have prefaced this episode of saying, by the way, we're not particularly Scylla friendly. <laughs> Sorry. Well, hopefully if they've gotten this far in, they would have realized that by now. Well, I know, but I'm like, oh, maybe I should have prefaced this to warn them firsthand or, you know, at the first of the episode. It's, I can appreciate the character. I don't, I can appreciate the character as a villain. As an even borderline sympathetic villain of like, I understand why they wound up where they ended up, but I can't see her as like an anti-hero getting to have this star-crossed relationship with Rael and kind of get an easy redemption from the fandom of like, oh, she's just a baby murder nugget. I'm like, no, she's a terrorist. Call a spade a spade, (laughs) you know? At the very least, the spree does have a point that the military is not working out. But we also see other people in this universe voice the same thoughts and they don't go around murdering people. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, my parents were murdered. Yeah, well, so was Batman's and he wound up becoming a superhero. So, oh, but Batman's fictional. Well, so Scylla. Uh, (laughs) I I can see where the spree have a point in the sense of I have a valid complaint against the system. I don't agree with any of the violence they enact. But you know, you can't just have one group be like, oh, this is bad. Let me go attack people and make it even worse for us. I'm like, they don't like how humanity treats witches, so let's go kill a bunch of humanity and make them even more hostile to witches. Like, make this make sense to me. Yeah, they really didn't think that one through. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's the show that didn't think that one through or if it's like in Universe Watch Summoning in the Spree or just they're angry and not thinking it through and we'll see more of it in season two. Again, I'm trying to cut the show some slack because we've only had 10 episodes and there's only so much you can do in 10 episodes. Yeah. Like at the same time, we have been like bashing Scylla's plotline a lot. There is still like a lot of good here in the show love yes again i love seeing that the leader of this you know chosen one unit is abigail i love that we get to see a very proud of herself and unapologetically proud of herself black woman as a lead character um and i love that she gets to be sexual as well and it's not condemned and it's not like sensuous and it's not you know overly male gazy it's just like this is me, I'm here, and I'm proud, and if you have a problem with it, there's the fucking door. Like, if anything, like, sexuality in this show is kind of celebrated. Yes. Female sexuality in that show 
is very celebrated, like with the entire Beltane yeah, dance. Like, I mean, they, yeah, they the, the entire thing is like, hey, everybody go get laid. And I'm like, man, I wonder what that's like for if you're an asexual character in that universe. Well, like, the thing is, too, like, we see Riel, who is a gay woman, like, share a moment with a gay man during that. And it's not presented as sexual. It's just they found a friendship connection. Yeah, and like that too is celebrate seems to be celebrated through like this whole communion they share together. Yeah, and you saw like and also like polyamory seems to be kind of okay in this like the marriage marriage between the witches, it's for it's more like a contract for a period of like five to what ten yeah, years? Five five years. Yeah, five yeah. years, and then you're on the market again. Yeah, and like you, I think like the way they presented marriage too seems to be more like for producing offspring because yeah. like a lot of witch lines have become um, diluted and reduced because they go off and fight in wars all the time and die. So I mean, it's really interesting, and I do think it's fascinating how this. Sh- how this show and this world approach relationships, at least in the witch community. Um, and you know, Beltane, you have people splitting off in like pairs and trios and more. Uh, Abigail had two guys she wound up with. Uh, Tally had one. Uh, Rael snuck off to see Scylla later. It's just, it's very open as far as sexuality goes. And that I do appreciate very much. Yeah. And like, I love like, the look of the magic in this show because like it's such a unique thing that you really haven't seen before mm-hmm. the way they use their magic well especially like with their voices or i love that they have whips i love the just visually they're so freaking cool yeah i like the fact too that their magic is like women using their voices to literally empower themselves is a very cool aspect Yes, but and it makes it even more like disturbing of like because you're silencing a woman and you're taking away her voice, so you're taking away her power, which is you know real world comparison of what's happened for so many years. So I think that that the way they decided to frame it does make it hit harder, you know, when a witch does go down because she's lost her voice, especially like when we see um the devices that like stop them from using their magic. Well, yeah, like during City Drop, they put the little silencers, I guess, the collars on them so they can't speak to render them um, neutralized. Well, most of them do. Abby is, Abigail has a little bit of trauma and beats the stuffing out of one of them, but. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Abigail. She needs a hug so bad. (laughs) I know. I just, I'm like. I'm I'm primarily here for Abigail. I like the other characters, but like I keep showing up for Abigail. Like she, as far as I'm concerned, like she's my number one. I want to see what happens to her. I want good things for her. I want her to be able to be this big leader that she wants to be, but in a healthy way that she's learning. So you know, I'm I'm tuning in primarily for Abigail. I would not mind at all if we get Abigail and Rael together. I know there's a lot of Rael and Silla shippers that probably would not like that as much, but I'm I'm on team Abigail getting whoever she wants really. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am. Like give Abigail what she wants. That's what the team I'm on is. 
Listen, Abigail deserves it. Abigail deserves it. That's that's our tagline for this episode. What Abigail wants, Abigail gets. She deserves it. Yeah. But anyway, so we're running out of time. Um, we are going to be back for 2020. We will have a special episode for December. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You're going to have to tune in. But it's a special episode. I think you guys are going to like it. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, come join us on our community discord. Let us know what you think about motherland. And if you agree or disagree with us, or if you just want to be like, Corey, how dare you? I love Scylla. I mean, I have time for that. I will, uh, debate you. Um, or, you know, if you just want to come talk to us or talk about other things, we have a pretty active community on here. Like I said, we do still have our warrior nun watch, on Tuesdays until we run through the rest of the season. You're welcome to join that as well. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts on the Fundamentals Network. And here's the entire lineup. Give me a minute. <clears throat> I have to prepare myself for this. Beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics, Sartorial Splendor, obviously ladies first. That's her wrong. We still have previous episodes you can check out of the Fandamentalist and Unabashed Book Snobbery. Don't forget to check out our new uh, gaming podcast called All Bark No Dice, as well as the Fae Forge Academy. They're a live play TTRPG group. They have new episodes out every Friday. They're really fantastic. We highly recommend you guys check them out as well. I think I got everyone. <laughs> Taylor had to make me a list <laughs> the last time I did this with her because I was like, did I get everyone? She's like, I'll make you a next list next time, Corey. It's okay. <laughs> what would we do without Taylor? I know. Uh, but yeah, Taylor will actually be joining us on more episodes of Ladies First as well. Um, I'm going to try and drag Diana back again. Diana, thank you for joining me on this one to um, discuss Motherland Fort Salem. Thanks for having me. And uh, also, don't forget to check out Diana has some really amazing recaps for Winona Earp. That's actually what I'm going to try and drag her back for in 2021 because we haven't talked about that on Ladies First in a while. Hey, can I put you on the spot and say, will you come back? Sure. I mean, when, when is, <laughs> it's supposed to start in January, right? The second half? I think... We should probably look that up, but we do need to have an episode to talk about everything that happened on the first half of season four. So now that I've put Diana on the spot and confirmed she will be back, you guys can uh, <laughs> come back and check out our discussions about Winona Earp as well. Um, Taylor will be on some more episodes and you know, we're going to be talking about Warrior Nun 2 whenever we wind up getting a second season of that also, we will be talking about some fandom things, other fandom things. You know how we are about that. And it's been a while. So 2021 is going to shape up to be a pretty big year starting out. So we hope we see you guys there. In the meantime, please be safe over your holiday season. Keep wearing a mask, social distancing. I know it's tough. I know we're tired of it, but it keeps us safe. Diana, thanks again for coming on. Anytime. And for the rest of you guys, have a safe holiday.